0: Welcome to ALFC's message of the week. Pastor Steve shares the powerful word from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the world's distorted view on sex and marriage, how God designed sex for marriage to be the ultimate bonding experience for the husband and wife.
1: Well, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and uh, an amazing, <laughs> amazing chapter, a little uh, kind of a long chapter. Uh, with a tremendous amount of uh, controversial information in there. <laughs> and once again, this is a, a, an opportunity for us to kind of uh, be challenged a little bit by the Word and, and look at it. That's why I've titled uh, the message, Sex Education for the Church. And uh, so we're just going to go to school today, and we're going to have a little sex education. Can you see any of that? Now, I'm not going to give you everything today. I just want you to know that uh, just a bit of a qualifier, uh, as we look at this uh, subject If you really want even more of the picture, the fighting for our marriage uh, very much has more information coming and and during that, it's more of a classroom setting. Uh, I would really encourage all of us to come. There's a lot of good information gonna be there uh, each week. And we are gonna focus one of those uh, times together on sexuality and marriage and, and some lots of information. But what this is really talking about, again, is how to live life. And when you begin to think about uh, at this time, I, I, was a, I, I have spent a lot of time kind of researching and studying in preparation for this. Um, my expertise is in you know marriage and family kinds of relationships and things and, and all that and so uh, one of the things uh, you know when when you are you spend so much time in it there 's a resource that 's absolutely unbelievable and available but I, when I was looking at this and, again, studying this and understanding from God's Word, it's, you know, their time was like our time. You know, I keep saying this to you. This is unbelievably relevant because you think about it, and, and Paul's writing and this, this passage, we'll look at it in a second, but what they're going through is what we're going through. Divorce was at its highest. Uh, there was all kinds of sexual unhealthiness going on. Uh, there uh, There was a lot of things there was a lot of there was a feminist movement going on at this time there was uh, i mean there was this transition where where women were struggling to you know go into business to c- compete with men that kind of a thing. Marriage was being redefined at that time you know so you know we understand again the whole concept of marriage they were struggling with it uh, they were trying to decide whether or not we 're going to have children or not there w- there was all kinds of Even the the concept of marriage, when you study it and you look at it historically, uh, the concept was, in reality, they were starting to actually pull apart. And marriage was being redefined as two people living more separate lives than together lives. and Very unhealthy. And what they were seeing was a lot of damage that was being done. And and Paul and the church, they were struggling with what they were seeing at that time. Children were suffering, uh, human beings, you know, the uh, moms and dads, uh, husbands and wives, men and women—there was a lot of suffering going on, and they were moving in a strongly in the opposite direction of God's word. And so the church now is in the middle of all that, and they're tr- they're asking some very important questions, like, so how what do we do and how do we handle this, because everyone around us is living life differently. Here we are trying to follow the word of God. We're trying to live godly lives. And we're right now surrounded by a culture that is trying to pull us away from our values and our standards and our morality. And so there's a lot of competition going on. And I was thinking, again, it's just different, right? I mean, it's similar, not exactly the same. Uh, I was looking at some of the things. I mean, God said, I've I've created this amazing thing called sexuality. And he said, it was good. No, he said it was very good. (laughs) (laughs) Can you of that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I look at the the way and how God designed it. You know, He designed sexuality to be a very positive thing, but within certain parameters and boundaries and how we do it. And obviously, I'm going to be very pro-marriage. Obviously, it's going to be something, because that's what God's Word is. It's all about you know, marriage is, is so yeah. significant. And I was looking at how... Uh, sexual encounters are being portrayed today in the media. Have you noticed uh, any patterns there? There's lots of information out there about what's going on. I think, again, this is what I think we're getting trapped in, because we are now a world that is quite significantly influenced by the media. And we've got right now, we already have a generation that's been raised. You know, you think about it, with the television, with the the video clips with all the YouTube, the, the different opportunities of, of uh, ability to see things. We are highly visual. And it's one of the ways we learn, you know, being, you know, uh, we're a very, very visual culture. And so when you look at what's going on, I mean, a lot of, I thought it was interesting, a lot of sexuality is, except when it's being portrayed in an evil way, it's usually portrayed as something that is, you know, spontaneous, Right, the only good sex is spontaneous sex, and uh, the idea that uh, extreme passion, powerful desire, there's kind of this magnet, irresistible forces, and you know, even before we touch each other, there's, there's explosion going on, fireworks are taking place, and it's, and sex tends to be short, intense, and passionate. And if you look really closely at all that dynamic, 99% of the time, sexual encounters in the media are between two people who are not married. And if they are married, they're having sex with someone who they're not married to. (laughs) And how often do you see the media giving us the example of two married couples really enjoying life and having great sex? Usually, when you think about it from way back with, I I was thinking, I remember watching Archie Bunker and Edith. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a terrible relationship! <laughs> and yet, I was watching a—it a, a, uh, uh, was a news report. Maybe it was a uh, i don't know. It was something they were looking back culturally at it, and how—and they said they were doing groundbreaking cultural statements. And I thought that may be for for the media, right? So the media was kind of patting itself on the back. But at the same time, you begin to realize what was being brought to us was a terribly unhealthy relationship and millions of people millions of people are watching all even today i was looking at all the kind of i mean i don't watch a lot of those kinds of television programs but i was kind of so i went looked at all the different things out there with what we have going on and once again we're we're still doing it the the message is basically married couples aren't really going to be happy they're boring routine uninteresting And so the only way to really do it well is to, you know, you got to do something kind of like, with them. and when you, because we don't see that, we're influenced by that. And every single one of us in this room is influenced by that. And then we're influenced by the, if you figure half of everyone's been divorced. And so you've lived and grown up in a family where the idea of marriage and all that isn't necessarily really well thought of. And so we all know someone who, and it feels like so many marriages around us are blowing up. Thank God we hear about Marywyn and, and Tom, who've been married for you know, 59 years, and I know they're doing well. And, and again, there's a great example of how it can really be done well. A lot of times, you know, we think of talking to someone who is that way, and we think of a lot of negative things, like, well, they're just being together. I, just so you know, statistically, uh, actually, uh, sexual encounter tends to actually get better after uh, 60 years. So Marilyn, and Tom have not even gotten there yet. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting because you think, wow, I mean, sometimes our brains don't want to think about mom and dad or grandma and grandpa uh, in that kind of situation. But let me tell you, it goes all the way through in life. Can you say know that? This is what God intended, and we need to not get like weirded out about what God intended. I'm here to try to normalize this a little bit so that we can realize that this is an amazing thing. I mean, marriage faces a lot of issues today. You think about communication, conflict, money, uh, raising children, sexuality. If you think of one of the top five things that always makes the top five, sex. And that seems to be a problem in a lot of relationships. When I have people coming and throughout the decades they've been coming in and asking for help, uh, somewhere involved is something to do with sexuality. And someone isn't happy about whatever. Let me tell you something about the scientific and clinical realities of married sex. Okay, I want you to, again, a lot of people ask me, so what, I mean, we're going to go on the word here in just a moment, but what is, what is everyone else saying? And uh, I can't give you everything because you'd be here way too long. I have a lot of information that I could, could overwhelm you with. But basically, summarizing it, married couples have more sex, more satisfying sex, and just more fun. Can you say that? And that is a statistical reality. This is I'm, this is not something I'm just kind of pulling out of the, out of somewhere, but we know in studying couples, and there's been a lot of studying of couples, and uh, some of it's just common sense, but uh, and you you can kind of figure that out. But the fact is that uh, sexuality is something that happens really well in a married relationship. Now I am differentiating married from cohabitation, from just you know being with somebody else. And and the studies also differentiate the same things, and you can see more of that in a moment. We know that uh, not having sex in a married relationship, unless there's some medical issues going on, is not healthy. Uh, The reality is that having regular, uh, routine, uh, uh, consistent sexuality, as much as possible, is actually very healthy. What's interesting is one of the growing, uh, right now it's not really high, but over about 20% of married couples in the United States are not having sex. And we would call that a non-sexual relationship. And for a lot of different reasons. Uh, A lot of times it's medical, but then there's also a lot of other reasons because we're finding that a lot of this happens because there's an unhealthiness in an individual or within the couple. And can I tell you something? It can be fixed. (laughs) A lot of times, these things can be resolved if you just get some help and, and whatnot, but it's kind of tragic that we see one in five married couples struggling with this. And, and yet, when you begin to realize the frequency of, of sexual behavior as time goes on, it actually does continue. And it can even get better. I mean, just you know, getting older is not, the, is not a killer of our sexuality. Can you say down on that? That's, that's exciting, right? Now, uh, the, the fact is, married sex does keep us a little bit healthier. And uh, there's all kinds of, oh, I love studying about this. Because it's nice to be able to say, you know, having sex really can help you. Be, it boosts your immune system, lowers your blood I mean, this is the best medication ever, right? And uh, it lowers heart attack risks. It improves bladder control. Uh, it reduces the risk. Lots of studies that come up for prostate cancer. Uh, it uh, reduces stress and depression uh, Helps uh, skin conditions improves your self-esteem confidence improves your sleep enhances joy And uh, overall well-being. He's a of that yeah. <laughs> So what you do is if things aren't working out well You put that list together or just take that clip out and say here listen to what pastor steve said <laughs> You need to help me be healthier <laughs> I love that uh, the you know, it's interesting. Again, these are facts. And I went, just for your information, I went and double-checked 2019 stuff. I didn't want you to think that uh, I'm bringing something that's like 20 years old. This is current this year or last year. That And everyone's trying to disprove this. I mean, and this is coming from the secular, uh, soci- sociological, uh, the psychology, marriage family therapist, all those kinds of things. Everyone's trying to disprove that premarital sex... Is really not a big deal. I mean, there are all kinds of studies out there, and everyone's working really hard. Even the New York Times gave in to the reality and the truth of this. I love it. You know, even some of again a lot of secular places. And the fact is, premarital sex will increase the divorce rate by at least twenty-five percent. So, in other words, not doing it God's way will actually increase the likelihood of all the things that can happen with divorce. I mean, divorce rate's already high. I mean, you think about it, it's around 45%, almost half, 45%. And so now we're going to jump it up to, six, to another 25%. So that now means the divorce rate is going to be, you think about it, we're talking 60 to 70% divorce rate by not doing it right. And, so, and again, everyone's looking really hard. Same thing with cohabitation. Everyone's looking really hard to find out can we somehow come up with studies that prove that cohabitation really isn't a big deal? They can't do it because all the studies are showing. Now, again, you can find studies that will disprove it. I found a few. I even made copies of them. And, again, there, there's this kind of uh, 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 sort of controversy, a little bit of tug war going on. But when you look at really good studies and you look at, and these are secular studies that are looking at hundreds if not thousands of keep, uh, couples, the breakup rate for couples that cohabitate is higher, and the divorce rate is higher by 30%. So, so here's what happens. You cohabitate, then you get married. You do well for the first year, and then within five years, the divorce rate's up by 30%. So, you know, I, I just can't emphasize that uh, the Word of God is giving us really... Some very good information about married life, about our sexuality, and how it is that we need to live life. God gave us this gift. Sex is a gift. You know, sex is something that he gave us to a husband and wife so that they might experience a more close, physical, spiritual, emotional relationship. You know, God has this amazing plan for us. He has a way to help us to live life in a way so that we can be healthy and then he gave those boundaries. It's like boundaries are becoming an ugly word today. But the reality is these are boundaries, and we're going to see boundaries here in a moment that God gives us. And he says, listen, I'm doing this not because I want to make your life miserable, but because I want to help you be healthy and protect you. You know, so, you know, I wrote this down. Sex is best when sex is right. Sex is right when it's within the boundary of blessing. And that boundary is found within the marriage relationship according to God's word. Can you send me of that? So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And let me just read those seven verses. You'll follow along. And then we will look at some of our sexual responsibilities in marriage. So it says, Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, I love that statement. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, I figure the Apostle Paul is the dear Abbey of the new testament <laughs> you know he's he is getting he's getting letters paul what do we do you're the leader of the church give me some answers here and so i want you to know that that's part of the proof text that they are sending these questions to their leader asking him what do we do how do we handle this what's the right way to live okay uh, and and so now concerning these things which you wrote me it is good for a man not to touch a woman we'll talk about that in a second Nevertheless, because of sexual morality, let each man have his own wife, let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Now we all want to stop there, amen? <laughs> if you're a husband. And likewise, oh, there it is, the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife does. There is a huge statement of mutuality here and how it is that we are to live a married life. We'll come back to that. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. Come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. For I wish that all men were even as I myself. But each has its own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Love the statement here. Very powerful stuff. A lot of information here. So basically, let me summarize this whole thing. If you want to walk away, let me give you two words that summarizes this statement. The two words are faithfulness and availability. So what it's talking about when it comes to married life, hear what the Word of God is saying. Number one, faithfulness. It's all about being faithful to the one that you have committed yourself to under God to live with. Number two, availability. And that you are available to one another. And so marriage is the to be something of two coming together and becoming one. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so here the Apostle Paul is writing, answering questions. He starts off in verse 1 and says, It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now that was a euphemism of the time. If you look back, it was written before. And what that saying is, because again, it's misunderstood. You've got to look up the Greek and look at you know, what's going on, the culture and all that. And so it thinks, well, I can't ever touch someone of the opposite sex. That's not what it's saying. It's talking about sexuality. It is talking about it is not good to have sexual relationships with another woman. I would say, other than your wife. And so that's all that's saying. And so he kind of, he's just kind of summarizing this whole thing. And I love the first thing. Here's what you learn when you are reading Greek. What comes first is most important. So it's interesting that if you, let me read the Greek sentence as it is literally translated, okay? So this will confuse you a little bit, but I'll explain it. Good for a man, a woman, not to touch, avoid. (laughs) And then we turn that around in the statement that we have to make it sense in the English. But he's saying it's good, it's right for a man, a woman, not to touch or to avoid, the sexual interaction is what he's saying. So in other words, it's good unless you're married to, uh, in other words, you, to not do this, to not have sexual intercourse, to not behave in a sexual way with someone that you're not married to. And so it obviously was a huge thing going on because just like then today, I mean, women were being objectified. There was sexual abuse was high, sexual assault was high. Sexuality had been distorted by self-centeredness of the culture. The focus was on, guess what? Pleasure, hedonism, the other gods. They were worshiping other gods through sexuality. And Paul's saying, "Whoop, well, time out, guys. This is not a good way to live. And it's like I hear God by his spirit saying, "Whoop, well, time out. This is not a good way to live. Where we're going, the direction we're walking is going to hurt people. It's not just I want to be, you know, someone who, you know, God's not trying to make, our again, our life miserable. And so he says, okay, look at verse 2. Because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and each woman have her own husband. That means you get one. (laughs) You know, so the idea is that you have this person that you are to be married to, and God says, let me protect this gift that I'm giving to you in marriage of sexuality, And so he says, so here's how we're going to do it. We're going to put sex into marriage. Because if you do it in that way, then it will protect all the kinds of things that can happen emotionally, physically, relationally, spiritually, in a human being's life. God intended for sex to be between a man and a woman. No, that's not right. God intended sex to be between a husband and a wife. And that's often misunderstood. Well, wait a second, said man and woman can have sex. Well, husband and wife can have sex. Now he's he's defining obviously the gender as well. And that's one of the reasons why he does that. He wants to specify a man, male, a woman, female, a husband and a wife together can have sexual relationships. Is this crazy? This was written over 2,000 years ago. Does it sound like it's addressing problems today? I mean, like, how did they know that we needed to study the Corinthian church and see the mess that it's in to understand what we need to do? I got to tell you, I, it, is, it is heartbreaking, the rate of abuse, adultery, uh, incest, assault, the pornography, the objectification of human beings, all these terrible, sexually unhealthy things. I sit and live the journey with people over and over and over again and there's absolutely nothing good about it. This is absolutely ripping people apart and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And we ought to wake up and realize this train is going downhill and if we don't stop it, I think of all the children and the youth and the adults who are being so injured because we're just not getting this we're not doing this. And somehow we're like naive and blind to what's really going on here. You know, Hebrews tells us that marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexual immoral. You know, when you hear the the, the stories of people who have been so wounded and injured, when you see the tears and you, and you see the consequences of what's happened because of the damage done by this unhealthiness, I tell you, it just wakes you up. You know, I mean, I get an intimate look into the hearts of people. And, and as I hear that and see what's going on, uh, man, it, it creates great passion in me to say, we've got to do this right. Amen. You know, it's, um, sex is like, it's like being on a train. When you stay on the tracks, it's great. You know, I was reading the um, reports of the last train wreck that we had, right? Um, uh, where, you know, where they went around too fast to benefit. Where was that? Uh, where was it? You remember? Anyway, where, Olympia, that area, kind of Lacey, I think, that kind of, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, anyway, but they were going around that track. And, and so the reports are now coming out, It's just recent stuff in the last month. It went off the tracks and look at the damage. People were killed, injured, big mess. You know what, I thought, what a great metaphor of uh, when sex gets off the tracks. People are killed, a lot of people are hurt, and it's a mess. And so we gotta stay on the tracks. And we gotta stop jumping off the tracks. You know, I, we, got, we got a lot that we can owe to. You um, remember the six? Anyone remember the 60s and the sexual revolution? I was still a baby back then. No, seriously, I was. I was a baby. I, yeah, so I, when I look at that, I thought, well, you know, I don't think it was a revolution. I think it was a sexual meltdown. No, I think it was a mess. I think it was something that came out of a lot of injury and hurt. I see nothing revolutionary about it. I see anything that unbelievably damaging. You know where the sexual revolution took place? When God created man and woman in the Garden of Eden. That was revolutionary. When God said, here's how it's going to be. He says, he, you know, he said to Adam, I've created you to have this amazing relationship. And so, but recognize there's the physiology, the emotionality, the spirituality, that two people coming together, Adam and Eve, you got to learn how to enjoy each other and all that that means. So it says in verse 2, let each man have his own wife and each woman have her own husband. How is it that we have so complicated such a simple thing? I mean, here it is, you know, simple and yet it is complicated when you begin to think of the dynamics that goes on. God has provided this amazing simple boundary so that we're not frustrated, we're not hurt, but that we're protected and supported and provided for. And then we go ahead and mess it up. And listen, most experts agree we are messing up. Physicians, pediatricians, uh, uh, all kinds of psychologists and therapists and mental health people, as well as pastors and all kinds of individuals have all said, you know what? When you have a monogamous relationship within this confines of a commitment called marriage, sex is better and it just it continues to be repeated over and over and over again but yet what we do is we put out the really kind of out there individuals and and we look at their lives and we watch them these eccentric people and we think that's the life I want to live I want to be you know the you know the housewives of Beverly Hills or I want to be I don't know, whatever weirds out. There's all kinds of reality things out there. And millions of people, especially young adults, are watching this stuff. Now listen, it gets inside of you, and you start thinking, I have those conversations. I'll say, where in the world did you get that idea? Did you get that from mom and dad? No. Did you get that from grandma and grandpa? No. Where'd you get that? Well, I was watching this show, or I was watching this movie, or my friends said, yes, your friends are experts, Right? (laughs) (laughs) there are five foundational principles in marriage that we need to understand marriage is for procreation god intended for mankind to be fruitful and multiply can you see men of that marriage is for pleasure god said that we are to enjoy and it says men enjoy the wife of your youth song of oh song of song song of solomon I'm going to do, I did a study on that years ago. We should do that again. That's an amazing study of the amazing pleasure and attraction and amazing thing of marital love. God gave us the manual of how to do it. I mean, all you got to do is read the Word of God. And so what an amazing story. Okay, marriage is for pleasure. God designed it. Marriage is a partnership. And God created a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, to come together and to be helpers to each other, right? And so that's, that's amazing. And that the idea of the partnership is that marriage then becomes a picture of the church. And so you begin to see, how is it that we are to understand God in our relationships? God says, look at a marriage, Ephesians chapter 5. And then marriage is for purity. And that's where we are, chapter 7. And it protects us from sexual immorality. So sexual relationships in marriage are very powerful. And that's why we need to do it right. It, sex bonds you. Did you know that? Right. You know, it just, there's no way. I, I've talked to people who are prostitutes, male and female. I've talked to people who have hundreds of partners. I've had people in all kinds of situations. And, I, and I'll say, so well, how, how do you handle all this kind of coming and going? And, you know, and a lot of them will say something to the effect, well, basically what happens is I just go numb, and it's meaningless to me. Well, it really isn't meaningless to you because emotionally they have to disassociate themselves from the act of sex, and it's terribly unhealthy. And so it looks like, and I mean, I have talked to a number, int- I mean, gotten into their, the depths of their story, unlike probably you have, and begin to realize, so how did you manage this? How did you live with yourself? How, and we, we're trying to experience healing through this process. Let me tell you something. Here's what most of them end up with. And you got to hear this. Most of them end up with terrible contempt for themselves. So when you've been through this kind of stuff, most men and women, both men and women, right? Men are, can be prostitutes. Women can be prostitutes. Men can be terribly unhealthy. Women, I mean, it, it look, both ways, right? And we're talking. We're getting in the depths. And here's what they'll tell me. So how do you feel about yourself? I hate myself. I'm angry at myself. Why did, and again, all of a sudden, they've received Christ, maybe, and now they're on this journey of this amazing healing and restorative work. And I'd like to tell you, boom, one incident's all over. But there's a moment when you have salvation, there's a moment when things all of a sudden are transformed, and then there's this journey of healing. Yep. Right. Look, at, make no mistake, healing sometimes takes time. Right. So. I'm trying to be preventative here. That's why I'm telling these stories. I want to wake us up to the fact that then here you are years down the road, and now you're on a journey for years. And it's, it's hard. The good news is it's possible. Amen. And you can have a new life. You can A lot of things can be different. But let's not get naive, because I think somehow in the church, we, we kind of, can I say this, we're kind of dumb? Because somehow we think that, well, everything should be okay now. Like, okay, you've received Christ, that's it, you're done. I mean, we just heard the news of a guy who was, his big thing was mental health. He committed suicide in the church, right? His big thing was a leader in the church, a young guy, and uh, just recently committed suicide. You know, someone asked me, so we're talking about the question, someone had committed suicide, and they had mental health. uh, They were bipolar. And they said, well, what do you think killed them? Let me tell you what I thought killed them. They said, well, it was suicide. They killed themselves. I said, yes, they they took their lives by act of their own hand. But you know what killed them? Bipolar. The mental health killed them. It was a disease. Right. You know, disease will kill you. Right. Last time I checked, cancer can kill you. Yeah. Well, why not a mental health? That's a disease. I mean, yes, suicide. Again, you've got to begin thinking that this stuff is serious. I mean, people who are deeply wounded in their lives, who have tremendous contempt for themselves, this is why we got to put an end to this. That's why the suicide rate is high. You realize in the homosexual community, suicide is statistically higher than in the rest of the community because I think there's a lot of damage. Now, that's a fact. I'm not making that up. That is a fact. And why does that happen? Again, when you begin to think of the, the dynamics of what's going on in their lives, well, there's a lot of really... Difficult things that take place in a human being that's living in a contradiction to what would be healthy, and now it it gets turned inward. Man, we got to bring God's amazing grace into people's lives. Are you with me on this? And so we begin to see that, I mean, sex actually bonds you. Now, listen, you got to get this because, now I'll talk about this in the marriage uh, seminar because you guys don't want to hear all this. But you know, God created this thing in our brain. The neurobiology of sex is that there there are seven amazing chemicals that God put in your in your bodies that when you have sex, they all fire off. Right. They bond you, they they do all kinds of amazing things and it is absolutely great. Case in into that. Amen. I mean, and and there's and then, and then there's this additional because you realize that we are bonded uh, emotionally, we're bonded spiritually, we're bonded Physically, it all works. <laughs> it's all great, and you begin to realize that. But this is why it doesn't work, because when you get this stuff happening, some of these chemicals that are going on in our bodies, you know, uh, uh, you know, like uh, what dopamine, I mean, testosterone, uh, vasopressin, oxytocin, uh, serotonin, just to name a few, just off the top of my head. Yeah, you know, that, that's why when you do bad things, you bond to bad things. You ever thought about that? That's why pornography is kind of a dangerous thing, and that's why it hurts you because you can bond with an image, you can you can bond with an experience, and then you begin to injure your capability of having healthy sexuality. I mean, it's not just we're trying to make life miserable, but there's something that actually can happen that is damaging. And so God said, "Listen, because I made you this way, I put all these cool things into you and and I put this ability for you to bond because part of sex also brings about cuz did you know sex is better when you're emotionally open to your to your mate? Right? So you want to have good sex then you got to learn to be a little bit more uh, emotionally available and open, and and it's it's great foreplay. You know, just talking and and knowing each other really well, that's really good. God God designed it that way. I'm not just not making it like, wow, this is a fact. And so when you talk to each other, when you open up to each other, and then you have sex with each other, and all the dynamics goes on, you start getting closer together. Matter of fact, God created it so that you would feel closer together intentionally, it's one of the reasons why bonding takes place between moms and their babies, between, between dads and their babies, because of what happens when you have skin-to-skin to skin touch. It actually triggers all kinds of really cool things within human beings, and then you feel close and bonded. Isn't that great how God created us? Amen. And that's why God said, okay, I put this, I put this dangerous chemicals in your body.
0: <laughs>
1: and so because they're dangerous... I'm going to tell you how to properly use them. It's like you've got to have training when you handle a fire weapon, a, fire, you know, a firearm. Well, you, know, you, know, you want to have training because you know, there's a huge responsibility that goes with the power of that. Well, God says, I am going to put these dangerous, dynamic chemicals in your system that could just blow life up <laughs> if not handled properly. But if handled properly, it is absolutely dynamite. It's amazing. You guys are way too quiet right now. <laughs> I'm getting nervous. <laughs> we'll have special counseling in a moment. Um, so are you, are you understand, God created this and said, so because of all this power, you're powerful people. God said, I'm going to give you this amazing power, so now stay within the boundaries. Because right. you stay within the boundaries, you're not going to blow your life up, and you're not going to blow the life up of other people around you because of the power of this bonding experience. You know, God said that's, you know, that's why there's a covenant commitment that happens in a marriage relationship. God said, you and I have got to come together and understand that marriage is something that we commit because of the power of what happens. You know, when, and when you get married, and you have uh, a sexual experience, there's something that uh, a sexual experience, uh, spirituality is very much a part of it. You know, when God said two become one, he's not t- talking about physical, he's also talking about spiritual. Right. And he's talking about, are you with me on this? And all of this comes together. And so, you know, a successful relationship is not about two perfect people living perfectly together by perfect principles. It's two people who come together who understand God's grace and live within his boundaries. And you know what? Amazing things can happen. Yes. Now, I love the fact that God said, you know what? In a sexual relationship, marriage are to be enjoyed. He did not create this just for some functionality, but He said you can enjoy it. That a, there is a whole concept, a principle of sexual pleasure. And a principle, and you know what the principle is in God's word? Serving one another. So how do you do sexuality really well in a marriage relationship? You serve one another because you're other oriented, not self oriented. So here's, here's a little technique for you. I'm going to give you some sexual technique. Be other oriented and it's not all about you. And when you begin to have relationships in that manner, you know, there's a biblical principle in sexuality. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Can you say a laugh? of that? <laughs> oh, you guys are getting embarrassed. Don't worry about it. <laughs> The studies show that when you do it this way, it works so much better. And when you begin to interact within this environment, it is absolutely... So look what it says. Verse 3, Let the husbands render to the wives the affection to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the, the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife does. That passage had been so uh, taught badly in the church. This is not giving you dictatorial rights over another human being. This is not saying, okay, I want sex, okay, let's go, in the room. That is not what this is saying. This is saying, you know what you owe each other? Love and respect and affection and thinking of the other person. You know, there's something that can be so twisted and distorted with this. So what this is saying is that both are responsible to take care of each other.
0: Yes.
1: What a crazy idea. Let me tell you something, guys. It's not your wife's sole responsibility to take care of you. And wives, it's not your husband's, you know, like that's it. It's all on him or wives, it's all on you. It's a mutually sub- mutual submission to two people who want to come together and be responsible to each other and help each other to have A healthy relationship. You know what the number one complaint I get? Well, not the number one, but it's in the top 10. Let's say top 10. Well, she's just not romantic enough. Or he's not romantic enough. Someone will come in and say someone's not romantic enough. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. And sometimes it's not even, that's not even the issue anymore. Because when I hear that, I think, okay, what's really going on? And you and I find that's really going on? It's not romance. It's a lack of respect. It's a lack of being other-oriented. It's selfishness. Because, again, we define romance in some crazy ways. But let me tell you something. When you date your spouse, you pursue them, you desire them, you care about them, you love them, you respect them, you know what? It works. But a lot of times, those are the core issues, and we try to cover it up with something superficial like, well, if you would just wear something different, or if you would act differently, or somehow it would change everything if you lost 10 more pounds. Yeah. Listen to me. That's garbage. Yes. Amen. You can put whatever words you want on there. But that just isn't the reality. I mean, we, we want to make it seem like it is, but why do we say that? Because we've been overly influenced by the media around us and the world and the culture we live in today. Here's what I've discovered, the truth. Marriage is best done as a team. Marriage is a team sport. And when you do marriage together, and we talk about how we do this, it's absolutely, sexual relationships within marriage are good. God created it. He said it's good. And when you and I have this coming together Marital sex is absolutely amazing. Sex is not to be a weapon. It is not a bargaining chip. It is not a means by which you get your way. Don't do that. Because when you do that, what you're, you're, again, you see the real issue? The real issue is respect. That is not how you and I are to handle our sexual relations. Look what it says, 5 through 7. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time you see the conversation going on the interaction happening that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer come together again so that satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control but i say this as a concession not as a commandment god did not command us to get married he says it's a good thing but he didn't say you have to but again what here's not before you boy misunderstand that one and here's, that's why Paul said what he did at the end. He said, By say it's a concession, not a commandment, for I wish that all men were even as myself. See, Paul was single. We understand that from this passage because living the life that Paul lived, how could he be married? I mean, Paul is basically saying, I'm all over the map, I'm getting beat up, I'm getting shipwrecked, I'm dealing with all kinds of crazy things. If I had a wife and kids to worry about, I could not do what I've been called to do. So God said, live this way without having these relationships. But he's not saying that's the best way to live. That's what some people might live. Singleness can be great if that's what God's called you to do. If not, God's called you to be married. That's great too. And Paul's saying both are good. This is not bad, bad or bad good. Both are good, but you're living how God has called you to live. The problem is we need to be certain about God's call. I mean, this is uh, a story of a husband who came home from work, and he was in a romantic mood. He wanted, you know, he wanted sex. So he did all he could do to be a good husband, right? He cooked dinner. He washed the...
0: Welcome to ALSC's Message of the Week. Pastor Steve shares the world's distorted view on sex and marriage how God designed sex for marriage to be the ultimate bonding experience for the husband and wife. Welcome to ALFC's message of the week. Pastor Steve shares the world's distorted view on sex and marriage, how God designed sex for marriage to be the ultimate bonding experience for the husband and wife. Welcome to ALFC's message of the week. Pastor Steve's shares the powerful word from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the world's distorted view on sex and marriage, how God designed sex for marriage to be the ultimate bonding experience for the husband and wife. Thank you for listening. Tune in each week and be greatly inspired and move to deeper revelation. For service times and other resources, go to our website at alfc.us or download our app
1: because, you know, there's all kinds of other issues going on. But when you are not demanding, being manipulative, being selfish, you know what? Amazing things can happen. Matter of fact, not having sex can sometimes be a good idea. There are times when I'm dealing with couples and I'll say, you know what? Things have really been distorted, so we're going to do a reset. And I want you not to have sex for 90 days. And we'll do that. Specifically, so we abstain for sex, but with assignments that go with it to pray, to, to fast, to, to get some uh, healing, and to work through this process so that when they come back together again, it can be different. Amen. So there could be some value in this, but it's not a weapon. It's not a bargaining chip. It's something that we do because we want things to work out well. And so Paul is saying, listen... Here's some guidelines for you. Here are some ways to live life. Because I want you to have the best. God wants us to have the best. Can you "Men of that? He is not here to punish us, to make us miserable, but he is here to bless us. And he says, I gave you sex so that you would be blessed. But you've got to live and do it within my boundaries. That's good. Amen. Let's pray.
0: Thank you for listening. Tune in each week and be greatly inspired and move to deeper revelation. For service times and other resources, go to our website at alfc.us or download our app.